That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, and you're listening to the Females Podcast, Summer School Edition. This season, we're heading back to school, career school that is, with experts here to teach us the ins and outs of specific topics. Today's teachers are Ashley Graber and Shira Myro, psychotherapists, meditation and mindfulness educators, founders of the Evenflow app, and the women who will be teaching us how to bring mindfulness to work for big results. I met Ashley and Shira while at TED Women last December and participated in a guided meditation from them which was amazing yet really challenging for someone who doesn't practice any focused mindfulness. It's not because I haven't heard about the benefits of daily mindfulness and meditation. It's because it seems like a struggle to find a consistent way to fit it into my life. And I know I'm certainly not alone. Ashley and Shira work with many companies to help create mindfulness practices for their employees because the research proves there are some big benefits. So today, Ashley and Shira will break down why mindfulness works and how you can work it into your daily life without the pressure of creating your Zen Den in your own home. And because we're here for that real talk advice, be sure to stick around till after Ashley and Shira's teachable moment, because we'll be answering your listener questions, starting with how to manage your emotions, such as crying and getting flustered at work. You can submit your career questions for us to answer on future episodes by leaving us a voicemail at 844-FEMALES. That's 844-F-E-M-A-I-L-S. And now, this is the Females Summer School Edition. Hi, Ashley and Shira. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you for having us. This is Ashley. This is Shira. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks. So you guys are the mindfulness and meditation gurus. So I want to talk about why should we care about mindfulness and why is this more than just the buzzword of, I want to say 2018, 2019, but probably also in 2020. Well, I'll jump in. You know, mindfulness has so many uses and it it doesn't matter whether we're in our work day or in our home life, mindfulness helps us to downregulate. So what that means in English is that when we get stressed out, we can help ourselves to feel better. So if it's that we're at work and we have too many things to do mm-hmm. and we just don't know where to, to put our focus, when we take a moment and get present, which is what we do through mindfulness, then we can help ourselves to l- really be more focused and be able to be more productive. Mm-hmm. And then it's always challenging to go from work life to home life. So it can also help us transition in that way. And then there's home life. Right. And so, you know, whether you're 
single or in a family or in a relationship, we need times, we need tools to be able to slow down and get present when we start to lose sort of our view of what's happening in front of us. And that's what the tools really help us to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like the world is moving so quickly that slowing down is, it. you're right, like people don't know how to do it. So this is a tool to do it. It is. It's absolutely a tool to be able to do it. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think people sort of look at and say, oh, no, it's just another thing that I'm going to have to do. Right. And it's really not. It's um, something that we can incorporate just really easily into our lives. Mm -hmm. And once we, which I'm happy to go through and share is, um, has tools as well, you know, we can go through some, what some of those tools are, but it's really one of those things that once we have built a toolbox, then we can easily grab onto something and it doesn't even have to take time. It can be as easy as taking one deep breath. Right. Right. So before we get in the tools and share, maybe you can share, like, what are some specific benefits that come from having a mindfulness practice? Oh, my goodness. I mean, myriad. <laughs> list. I mean, it could take a while. But there's there's both mental health benefits and physiological benefits uh, to, to sort of what you were saying. To touch on that, we, we live in such a stressful world that we're so saturated with information. We're addicted to our phones and emails. We never unplug. And I yeah. think we're all in this sort of collective soup where we don't <laughs> yeah. even realize, you know, that we're we're always on right on some device. And we never, we really never downshift into a, a quiet place where we can, as Ashley said, re-regulate and and move down into a place of rest. Right. Um, you know, we, we see that with the epidemic epidemic of sleeping disorders. I know Ariana Huffington has spoken to that. So I think in terms of the benefits in work, it helps us improve our focus, our concentration, our endurance, our productivity. And in terms of health, the CDC came out with that really disturbing statistic a while ago. And I mean, I still feel, Ashley and I talk about it sometimes, we still feel shocked by it. The CDC says 90% of all illness and infection is related to stress. Wow. So while stress is not the primary cause of illness, it's a factor. Right. And so I, I don't think you can kind of go about your day and be in the dark about the fact that stress is going to affect you negatively sooner right. or later. Right. I And I, I will say I'm happy that there's more conversation around mental health because, I mean, even like five years ago, I'm sure when you guys, you know, first started practicing, like this wasn't, this wasn't as top of mind. Now it does, it, it seems more mainstream to talk about mental health and mindfulness and meditation. We're going to talk about meditation apps, but all of this has kind of been booming in the last few years. And hopefully this is more than just, you know, a trend and like a cool thing to say, like I've got a meditation, because I do feel like, you know, I go to a lot of events and they'll ask people about it. And it's like, everyone will talk about this practice, but, is there, but are people actually doing it? Right. And that's, that's kind of the key here. Okay. So let's talk about kind of those tools. What does a mindfulness practice look like? Well, I can jump in. It's Ashley again. Um, You know, one of the things about meditation and mindfulness is that the words are so often used interchangeably, but they're actually separate and complementary practices. Oh, okay. So meditation is the practice of sitting and breathing. And we want to do that because we want to get to know the nature of our own mind. I mean, what the thing that we hear most is I can't stop my mind yeah. from moving. Yeah. And you're not actually meant to. And if your mind isn't wandering, then 
you're dead. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. Okay. <laughs> so it's actually okay for yeah. your mind to be wandering. And, and the <laughs> idea is that we want to catch it and bring it back, that we want to be able to recognize when our mind wanders to the future or wanders to the past. Yeah. And the important thing about that is, is that when our mind is wandering to the future, we're making ourselves anxious. Yeah. And when our wa- mind is wandering to the past, we're making ourselves feel potentially depressed. So now that doesn't mean we aren't going to go out and plan or we're not going to go out and be introspective about what has happened in the past and think about it. But we want to know through our thoughts, through our body sensations and through our physical and through our emotions, how do we know when we've sort of crossed that line? How do Mm. we know by sitting in meditation, our mind wanders and then all of a sudden we start to feel sad or angry we can catch that and we come back to the present. Right. That's meditation. So we start to get to know ourselves in that way, which helps us, what we say, sort of off the cushion. So if we're sitting on, the, on a cushion meditating, then mm-hmm. off the cushion would be in your daily life. So those, that practice is really important. It's also, you know, goes to the benefits that Shira talked about, you know, in addition to lowering anxiety and depression, which we know are through the roof right now. Yeah. So then there's mindfulness practice, right? And mindfulness practice is more of how can I take a tool in the moment to bring myself back to the present? So being mindful is done simply through using our senses, So we can't help but be present if we're using our senses. So in a moment that we start to feel stressed out, we start to feel uh, angry, overwhelmed, upset, whatever it may be, if we practice listening to sounds maybe, Uh, or we um, practice looking around using our, our, our sight, right? These are things that we can do at any time. Let me see how many circles I can find in a room, right? So this mindful practice helps to bring us back to the present. But it can also be done in your shower in the morning. Yeah. I feel like that's when everyone gets the most clarity. Right. (laughs) Right. Or stresses themselves out and doesn't realize if they've put shampoo or conditioner in their hair. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah, definitely. So we can take a moment to use our senses. We could chop vegetables mindfully, noticing the colors. We can wash dishes mindfully. There's so many ways that we can weave these practices into our everyday life. Yeah. There's a a woman I know, and she said that she basically has like a a recording of like a rain sound that um, is just like easy to get to on her phone. And so whenever she's feeling anxious or stressed or something, she listens to that. Mm -hmm. And so her sense must be sound. Mm -hmm. So do people um, pick one – are they more likely to pick one sense over the other? I mean, in my – what I see with clients is that – one thing can be more profound for them than Mm -hmm. another. But what we really want are a few choices with which to pull from. So, you know, it's just like any toolbox. If we pull something out and it works, great. But if not, we need to go back in and be able to find something else to use. So if you find that using your sense of sound and listening for sounds or listening to the rain helps you to downregulate, then that's great. Do yeah. it. I mean, I think Shira and I would both say, we don't really care what you're doing. Just do it. Yeah. But that, you know, you can just practice using different things and see what works for mm-hmm. you. And it's going to be different with everyone. Yeah. And it's going to maybe be different as you get better at it versus when you're a beginner and, and things like that. Um, could you guys give me an example? So if someone's listening to this and they're a complete beginner. They haven't, they don't, they don't practice mindfulness or they don't have this practice already. What's like an example of what they could do today? I mean, there's lots of ways to start. Uh, now, now that uh, meditation and mindfulness are so popular, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of wonderful classes 
they can also start with a, a meditation app, mm-hmm. but and there's many of those as well. Uh, there's wonderful books. There's uh, meditations online. Mm-hmm. There's so Jack Hornfield, Sharon Salzberg. A lot of people have beautiful meditations. So there's there's so many ways, and there's not one right way. I was thinking about what Ashley said. One of the things I I recommend to to clients, and I work with a lot of <laughs> high conflict couples, <laughs> is when we start mindfulness practice. I I suggest they do it driving in their cars, not meditating, not right. eyes closed, <laughs> but <laughs> mindfulness practice, just this moment-to-moment awareness, right. just noticing, noticing as they're driving to work and being present. You know, there might might somebody want to cut them off or they might notice themselves wanting to cut some off because they're running late. Because it's L.A. Because no, <laughs> right? it's L.A. Uh, yeah, L.A., you know, it's, <laughs> driving is a part-time job here. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's incredibly stressful. And it's a great, it's a great way because we all get stressed driving, but noticing their thoughts, emotions, their uh, physical sensations, and also their mind wandering, right? Practice driving, being in, in the moment there. So that's a, I, I feel like it's a universal, especially if you're out in Los Angeles, a way right. to just start noticing with without judgment from a compassionate place. You're just witnessing. You're developing what we call the compassionate witness. Right. So you're stepping out of your your ego in a sense. You're, you're just noticing. And it's a muscle. It's a skill. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what needs to be acquired. Mindfulness is not a competitive sport. Like, hey, <laughs> I just went on a two-week meditation retreat in Tibet. I'm I mean, really evolved. It feels like that now. <laughs> well, okay, so I just wanted to jump in with some super simple things in addition to what Shira is saying, which is such a great practice. That I once heard a Buddhist teacher who's like was a family, you know, lineage of teachers and teachers and teachers in his family, and he lives in Japan, and he comes to LA, and he said that even in in the traffic in LA even makes him crazy. So. <laughs> It always made me feel better. But he came up with the red light meditation so that at every red light, you just take a breath. Right. Right. Super simple to do. If you're coming from your car to work, you know, or you're getting off of a bus or the subway or whatever it may be, to pay attention as you're walking. Take a breath with with every step. Notice the way that your foot hits the ground. Feel the way that your body feels as you move. Right. Just really being present in that moment. Or noticing as you're walking into the office, what are the colors that you see? Mm. Right. And what is, you know, when we say, when we see a tree, our brain says tree and then we cease to see it. But if we really spend a second there, then we can notice what's the shape of the leaves? What color is it? Is it, are the leaves brown? Are they red? Are they green? You know, so really simple things like that. One thing that's also great is that as you transition from room to room within your office or your house, take a breath. Mm. Right? So that's super easy. simple mm-hmm. things. Set a reminder in your phone to go off once a day that just says breathe. Now you have to change that because we'll actually cease to pay attention to it after a while if it goes off at the same time every day for a long time. Yeah. But for maybe for a week, set it for 2 p.m. And when that alarm goes off, take a breath. It's interesting you said that just because I don't commute to the same place every day because, you know, the podcast is in a different location than my office. Sometimes I work from home. And I find just sometimes having the variety of not doing the same thing every day almost brings more mindfulness because, as you were saying, like, you know, when you have sometimes when you have the same commute every single day to the same place, you literally get to where you're going. You're like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, and, Clearly, you're not being very mindful. Check out. That's scary on a lot of. So, I would also wonder if, like, if you could just change, like, if you always walk through one door, go through a different door. If you always do that for lunch, do something different, and just little stuff like that would add up. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think just also just be bringing the presence to whatever it is that you're doing, right? you know, and taking a moment to just stop and take a breath. I mean, we're breathing all the time, but we're not consciously breathing all the time. And when I ask people to stop and take a breath, most people will say, wow, I haven't done that all day long. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're holding I up. like when uh, you're in like a workout class and they're like, don't forget to breathe. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> like, no wonder this is so hard. Okay, so this is not meant to sound skeptical, but these things sound really simple. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of skeptical, like, does this really work if you just breathe every time you leave a, a room? So mm -hmm. do you guys have any really good before and after stories? I think everyone loves a transformational mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do. First, I, I want to say the these are the tools that we're suggesting are are invitational. You know, there there are apps that like five minutes, thirty seconds to meditation heaven. <laughs> no, that's that's yeah. not the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is not a listicle that's going to get you there. <laughs> absolutely, and and so all those incredible benefits, whether it's lowering your blood pressure or relieving depression and anxiety or helping with focus and concentration and creating, you know, uh, helping with sleep and balance. Those those things happen over over time. So we're not promising, over-promising. And usually it's a, it's about a 20-minute sit regularly to to start to re reap those benefits, those those health and uh, mental health benefits. Gotcha. But, so, but mindfulness you can you can ease your your way into. And then the the other piece that I just wanted to, to mention quickly, you can take those steps just noticing, as Ashley said, you opening the door, noticing the leaves on the tree. You you take that awareness into your interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. So let's say your boss is giving you another project to do, and you're already maxed out and you notice, oh my gosh, my shoulders and back, they're just Everything tense. <laughs> my jaw just tense. And you give that tight smile. Yes, yeah. boss. Yeah. Noticing what's happening internally and your body is actually communicating to you like, wow, this, right. this is, this is too much. You know, what are my, what are my choices here? How, how do I, I get into it when I have those courageous conversations like Brene Brown talks about with, right. okay, what can I actually deliver? Is, is this realistic for me, all of those things, your your body's always giving you information, your emotions are giving you information. And so instead of dismissing them, suppressing them, denying them, which we do most of the time, right? Yeah. You said we, we, we check out, we're not paying attention. Right. Mindfulness and meditation give us a way to be in conversation with all of that information that our body is constantly generating. Interesting. And, and so you can start to make more responsive choices. I know we talked a lot in the TED presentation about going about life being emotionally reactive, slamming on the brakes, yeah. yelling at people, you know, just right. drinking more caffeine as, as opposed to saying, okay, wait a minute, do I have some choice in how I'm going to mindfully respond to a stressor versus just ping pong, ping pong, react, right. react, react. Right, totally. I have a really good before and after story yeah. to yes. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all really good information. Yeah. Okay, I was like, I was over here nodding my head. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, so I have a, a, a woman who worked for the Veteran Affairs mm -hmm. and uh, the dialysis department and um, ran a, a group of, 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 I think, like 100 people. Wow. And, you know, it's super stressful work. And she was in 
the office all the time with people who were not only mentally ill, but physically ill. And then, you know, people trying to take care of them. And uh, she would come to me just so stressed out and overwhelmed, but would not do a regular practice. I mean, she just would not do it week after week. And the way that I work with people is I'll come up with something pretty small if they don't have a practice, like, can you breathe for 10 minutes a day, you know, right. to set a timer and do that. And then if they come back and they don't do that, we sort of go backwards from there. Okay, well, can we do five minutes a day? Okay, well, can we do 10 deep breaths a day? And we literally got to, can you do one deep breath a day? And I and I love that you were skeptical of that um, particular thing, <laughs> because that's actually what worked for her, was that she would set an alarm and it would go off once a day and she would take a breath. And what she noticed was, is that week after week after week of doing that, that she was less stressed at everything coming at her. So she didn't, her workload did not change. You know, the amount of sadness and despair in her office did not change, but she was able to take it in. So what we, what happens when we do these practices is we, we build our resilience and that's the key is that we want to be more like a rubber band and less like a ball in a pinball machine bouncing off of the things that happen. Now she was doing nothing else and, you know, coming to therapy Mm -hmm. and, taking this one deep breath a day. When we quit working together, she was up to, I think, two minutes a day of breathing, but also mindfully walking from her car to her office. Also mindfully, she loved to cook, so also mindfully you know, chopping her vegetables, mindfully taking a shower, doing all kinds of other things. And, you know, the research that's been done, you know, does show that people need to meditate regularly and they do need to do mindful practice regularly. And to me, what I see with my clients and what I see in companies is that the consistency is way more important than the amount of time that they do it. If they do something consistently, that they will see changes. Yeah. I I can subscribe to that. I think consistency over big, you know, I always find it funny because it always felt like, you know, if you're going to work out, you have to do like an hour, but very Mm-mm. few people can do that. And I find that if you just like walk around the block a few times out, that's better than nothing. And it's in- just interesting because somewhere along the line, a lot of us got the message of like, if you're going to do it, you have to go all out. You know, if you're going to meditate, it's going to be 20 minutes. And you're right. That's intimidating to a mm-hmm. lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I like the, I like the one deep breath. Like that's, these are all things people can start today, 100%. Absolutely. And I, I will often use the workout metaphor of it. If you yeah. want your body to change, but you go to the gym once a week, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Right. If mm-hmm. you go more often, then you're going to start to see changes in your strength and your size, whatever it is that you're trying to make changes around. Right. And it's the same thing. We're building a muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, and as soon as we start to experience not being reactive, but being responsive, then people usually get excited about it because they're like, oh, I didn't freak out. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's huge. And I yeah. think also the, the intention, setting the intention and reinforcing the intention because it's not like once you start a meditation, you're not going to freak out. Yeah. You will. True yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're not going to become I, – I think there's also – we talked about this I mean, all the time, the sort of the woo factor that you'll you'll spiritually transcend and you won't be – That's what you're expecting. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and for us, you know, in, in terms of the secular – a secular iteration of meditation and mindfulness, it's, it's really coming back down into the body, into the present moment. Mm-hmm. It's checking in, not checking out. Now, of course, there are so many beautiful practices, you know, and historically – 
it was connected and is still very connected to uh, religious practices. So that's, you can do that too. It's, it's a both and, yeah. but I think for, for a lot of Americans who may, may even have, it's not, it's not sort of contraindicated or in any way, I think gets in the way of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's really sort of a, a day-to-day practice that uh, I think is available to, to everyone. Yeah. I also have a, a wonderful story. If yeah, you let's hear it. Yes, <laughs> I, I love a good before and And after. by the way, nobody ever gets worse from practicing meditation and mindfulness, <laughs> yeah. just FYI. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're trying to convince people to do this. So yeah, yeah. let's hear it. Um, all right. So I, I had a client who oversaw... A, 3,000 people in her department, not directly, wow. but she had a lot of responsibility, yeah. uh, oversaw a huge billion-dollar budget, yeah. and stressed to the nines. Her dad was very sick. Her weight ballooned. She was emotionally overeating. Uh, her son was having trouble at school. He was bullied. Everything, her marriage, yeah. every the stress wow. was... 80-hour weeks, it was just too much. And she was having panic attacks regularly until she got into a car crash on the way to work downtown. And so that was, hopefully doesn't have to get that extreme, but sometimes it's a wake-up call. Yeah. That because she was so high-functioning and so productive and was doing it for so long, she yeah. rationalized it was, it was herself. her normal. Yeah, yeah that, mm-hmm. that was her normal. And so kind of like Ashley said, we had to start at the very beginning. We had to slow down. And it was very, very hard for her to slow down because her to-do list doesn't look like our to-do list. Right. It doesn't slow down. Mm -hmm. We had to figure out what she could let go of and what she could delegate. That was a big piece of it. And also what she had to accept. Mm -hmm. Certain things she didn't have the ability to control. And it all stemmed from that moment-to-moment awareness of, okay, how can I be responsive in this moment? What, what choices do I have versus just being reactive? Yeah. So, you know, and it's really interesting, you know, leaders versus maybe somebody kind of moving up the ranks. I think these tools can, everyone can apply them in a, in a very particular way ac- according to what, what their needs are. So it, it didn't, you know, happen overnight. It, it took months and months and months. And her, but we, we lowered we, we lowered the, I, I feel like the stress bar. <laughs> right. We changed the baseline. Yeah. Uh, because it was really unsustainable. So, uh, you know, it's, I think it's it's also a journey into self-awareness. This, yeah. This doesn't just, you know, help you feel less stress and sleep a little bit better. You're, you're opening up the, a relationship to yourself that is so powerful and, and lasts a lifetime. I like it. Yeah. I'm into it. I, I will breathe when I walk through this door today. Hey there, let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Vistaprint. Building a business comes with many challenges. One of the biggest challenges, spreading the word. That's why when I first started Career Contessa, I turned to Vistaprint for business cards, tumblers, and those coveted Career Contessa tote bags. The first thing that made me feel like I had really made it, though, was my very first business card from Vistaprint. Your next big opportunity might be just around the corner, so you really want to make it count. All you need to own it now is $10. With that, you can create a custom card with colors, fonts, and designs that truly represent you. For me, it was what we call the Career Contessa Blue, and I always feel so confident getting to hand out that business card. Recently, I was at a press event and I gave the card to an editor who let me know how happy she was to see that I even was still using a business card. So just keep that in mind that you really want to have a business card if you want to make that professional first impression. With Vistaprint, you can create a truly professional and unique card in a matter of minutes. 
upload your own design or start from scratch and use Visaprint's simple tools to create your own look. Pick the paper stock, style, and quantity that's right for you. Lastly, choose your delivery speed and receive your cards in as few as three days. So any of you that have been holding out, you only have to wait three days to get those business cards. Once you've created the business card of your dreams, you can keep going and easily create more professional marketing materials going forward with just a few clicks. This makes last minute orders super fast and Vistaprint guarantees your 100% satisfaction. They'll always help you make it right, either by reprinting your order or offering a refund. Visaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners will get 500 high-quality custom business cards starting at just $9.99. Just go to visaprint.com slash females. That's a quirky spelling, guys. It's F-E-M-A-I-L-S, so male like envelopes and letterheads, things that you can get at Visaprint. That's visaprint.com slash females. Again, visaprint.com slash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S. All right, now let's get back to the show. So I want to, you mentioned meditation apps, which I think, I mean, I think it's great that there's so many out there because it is a nice way to sort of start the introduction to meditation, especially for people who don't want one more thing on their plate and you guys have a meditation app. So let's talk about how can you vet? I mean, there's so many, how do you know which one is a good fit and what should you look for and things like that? Well, I think first of all, people should decide how, you know, how do they want to meditate and they should definitely bring curiosity to it. You know, that's the most important thing with any of these practices, meditation or mindfulness practice, that bringing curiosity to how they want to do it. And, you know, I honestly think tell me if you feel differently, whatever speaks to them. Mm-hmm. If Evenflow, the our meditation app speaks to them, great, right. use it. I mean, ours is a little different. And then we give psychological insights to help people understand why they do what they do. And then we give tools. So it actually has the kind of tools, mindfulness tools that we talk about that you can bring into your everyday life and actually meditate. Mm-hmm. Now, our meditation app might not be the right one for someone. You know, they may like some other meditation app that's out there or they've heard of some other meditation app or they may just want to sit quietly or may just use music. I really honestly feel like if they have found something, if you find something that works, go with it. Right. And I would sort of jokingly say to people, I don't care if you're standing on your head in the middle of a busy street doing meditation or mindfulness practice, just do it. Because yeah. it's hard enough as it is without us saying, you know, this is exactly what you should use. Yeah. You know, curiosity is key. And it's not only key in finding which thing, which app works for you, but also the time of day you know, or... Interesting, um, yeah. Yeah. And people will say like, oh, I tried it in the morning and it doesn't work and then they give it up. And it's like, wait a minute, let's let's bring curiosity back to this. Right. Is there another time of the day that you could try it? Can you ritualize it, right? Can you light a candle? Can you light incense? Whatever it may be to help you to do the practice. Maybe it's sitting in your car before you walk into your office. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Yeah. And you can also, you know, Ashley teaches meditation and mindfulness. I do. You can go. There's so many uh, meditation 
places, the den, uh, unplugged. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so if you need in person, if you start want, with. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Inside LA is a great place to get training. If you, it's, sometimes it's really hard to be self-directed. Let's, let's be yeah. honest. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, maybe you'll get excited for five days or two weeks and then sort of lose momentum. Yeah. So sometimes sitting in a group is uh, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even finding someone at work to do it with. You know, yeah, every day after yeah. lunch, you've got your, you know, mindfulness buddy and you guys do something together. I, mean, oh, I love that idea. It's always easier to do it with someone, as you said, self-direct. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like running a marathon on day one kind of thing. Well, there are groups, too. I mean, I, I used to work at the Center for Mindful Living, and they have a Sunday sit that's on Facebook, yeah. you know? And so from 9 to 9.30 is on Sunday morning. So yeah. there's all kinds of – and, I'm, and I'm, I don't know what the names of the other ones are, but I'm but like they're 88 there. to 90. 99% sure <laughs> there's a bunch more out there that yeah. if you were to Google it, but to find, really bring curiosity and just find what works. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you, Ashley and Shira. I think everyone is definitely going to be able to easily implement these tips today and um, then maybe they'll write in and tell us their before and after story. I would love for you guys to share um, if people want to learn more information about you or your app, where can they go and find you and, and download the app? Okay, so it's Ashley. <laughs> you can find me at ashleygrabertherapy.com. So it's A-S-H-L-E-Y-G-R-A-B-E-R and then the word therapy.com. Um, you can link to Evenflow um, on my site. I'm also on Shira's, um, but Evenflow is evenflow.io or you can download it in the app store. Amazing. And you can find all the information that you need for me on my website. It'll link to the other things I do. I'm a syndicated columnist, so if you want want to learn how to slow down to do more, which is my current um, topic, then you can find it there as well. Amazing. Great. And we happen to share the same office. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're at Yale Street Therapy. We're uh, also in partnership with uh, Corey Rosenthal. It's also all mindfulness-based clinicians. Okay. So it's a mindfulness hub. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. In Santa Monica. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley runs a mindfulness process group every week. So there's, there's so many opportunities. And, and you can find me at shiramyrotherapy.com. Amazing. And yeah, we're, we're, we're big believers. Um, we're really big believers. I think that over time, you, you really feel you integrate the benefits and it, it profoundly changes your outlook on life. So hopefully, you know, if, if it's a first time thing, you're not seeing it as a trend. It's not wheatgrass or kale. Yeah. <laughs> in and out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the new food is. Yeah, exactly. 2019. It, it, it really is a, a way of life for us. And I think that's, that's why we, we have such conviction that it's, um, it's, so transformative. Right. Consistency. Yes. Yeah. And I and I, I want to add to that because I feel s- exactly the same Shira does so deeply about it and that I also teach children, you know, as young as age four to do these practices. And if a four-year-old can do it, right. we all can. That's, that's, a, that's a good way to end. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, guys. Thank you. Thank this you. was so great. Hey there. Let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Third Love. If there's anything we can all get behind, it's a great fitting bra. In the past, finding a great fitting bra was basically just me taking a good guess and hoping it worked out. That's not the case with Third Love because they use data collected by over 12 million women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. So not only do you get to avoid that annoying in-person trip to a store, you also get to find your perfect bra by taking a fun quiz. 
Sounds like a win-win, right? From there, Third Love helps you identify your real breast size and shape. And Third Love helps you find styles that fit your body. If you have any questions during the quiz like I did, you can easily connect with one of their fit stylists. I texted one and she got back to me within 10 minutes, which helped lead me to purchase the classic t-shirt bra. After two weeks, I ordered a few more t-shirt bras because they were so comfortable, they fit great, and I haven't struggled with straps that slip off my shoulders, labels that scratch my back, or any buyer's remorse after spending too much money on the wrong bra. Plus, Third Love gives every customer 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. If you don't love it, you can return it to Third Love and they'll even donate your wash bra to a woman in need. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash females now to find your perfect fitting and get 15% off your first purchase. Again, that's thirdlove.com slash females for 15% off today. All right, now let's get back to the show. All right, it's that time in the show when we hear real voicemails left by you, our listeners, and do our best to give you some real talk career advice. And to help, I've invited Kayleen Cajas, who runs content at Career Contessa, back on the show to give her two cents. Hi, Kayleen. Hi, thanks for having me back. Today's voicemail is all about how to manage your emotions at work, especially when you feel like you cry a lot and get flustered at work. So we've all been there. Let's listen in. Hi, my name is Victoria, and I work in the nonprofit sector, and I have this horrible issue where sometimes when my boss or my boss's boss confronts me about something, I just get emotional, and I, like I hate to say it, but I have cried at multiple jobs, and I just, it's such a problem and I don't know how to get better at keeping my emotions in check when I'm upset and how to not let it overrun my conversation or relationship. And afterwards, my boss always treats me with, you know, baby gloves because they're like, oh, this woman's really emotional. We have to be careful around her. So I love any advice on how to Maybe keep your emotions at bay at work, um, specifically as a woman when you're trying to stand up for yourself or when you're getting criticism from your boss. Thank you. All right, Victoria, thanks so much for calling in. This is actually a great question. And when Kayleen and I were researching, we actually, because we wanted to know, like, you know, we both have cried at work before. How how common is this? And we actually found out that over half of employees have cried at work at some point, according to a Robert Half report. So the good news is, if you're feeling like you're out of place, you're not. We've all have cried at work before. And certainly there's a feeling of, and I think especially for women, sometimes we get pegged as being like emotional because of that. But it sounds to me what you're saying is that this happens kind of often and that you're 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 frustrated with the fact that you feel like you can't kind of control that emotions. So Kayleen, <laughs> this is you've I mean, what do you think? I mean, I know we said we both have cried before at work. Yeah. Well, okay. So and another thing that we had found when we were researching is that um it's kind of a double-edged sword because when women cry at work, it's looked on as weakness. And when, when men cry at work, it's looked on as, you know, being human. Right. So, <laughs> They're being annoying. vulnerable, and it's so great. Right. <laughs> but kind of my advice is it maybe it's not so much 
the negative feedback you're getting or, or, or feedback in general. It's maybe the confrontation that makes you super uncomfortable. So maybe there's a different way your manager can um, speak to you and give you feedback. You can maybe request that they put it in writing or, or I mean, maybe think of how they're delivering it. Is it, is it very confrontational or is it just that you're getting overwhelmed? So it's kind of looking at the type of feedback and how it's being given. And right. Yeah, and like the method, right? So if the if the verbal communication seems to kind of set something off where you feel like you don't have control of your emotions and you're starting to to get to that place, is it because they're saying it without and like you didn't have any so they, they just started giving you feedback. They didn't say, Hey, can I give you feedback where you had a chance to kind of brace yourself? So what Kayleen is saying is like maybe asking for them to send feedback over a written, you know, in a written form, or when you ask for feedback, ask for it to come back to you via a written, you know, format. Another thing is maybe if they, if your manager kind of can preface like, Hey, I'd like to give you some feedback is now a good time to do it. Maybe yes, that would be, yeah. I mean, maybe there's timing involved in this too. The other thing that Kayleen and I were thinking about is have you like something for you to consider is like, is is the emotion happening just because the you know the quote unquote confrontation of the feedback, or is it happening because you're feeling already burnt out, or that you're already feeling overwhelmed, or there's some other feeling, and when they give you that feedback, it kind of tips the scale the other way. Um, so that's something to really kind of try to determine, like it where is this emotion originally coming from, too? Yeah, I think definitely step one is analyzing where you're at um, and where your manager's at. Um, and making sure that you guys are communicating healthy to begin with. Another piece of advice I would have, especially if if you're becoming so immediately overwhelmed, is to take the feedback and just sit with it. Sometimes people are really uncomfortable with silence, but sometimes you just need to sit and, you know, register it and make sure, you know, it's not personal, it's it's professional feedback. And, and maybe just like you might request that they write down their feedback, maybe you want to write your response because – maybe you feel that you can communicate better how you're feeling or how you're taking the feedback. And maybe you're actually taking the feedback well, but you're so nervous. Right. So I'd say writing it down from your end could be helpful too. Yeah, I actually like to the idea of writing it down because maybe – maybe not like making eye contact and, you know, and listening to this confrontation, trying to take it all in. Like maybe if you're right, actively writing it down, it will help kind of almost be a little bit of a buffer mm-hmm. between something that is clearly a little bit uncomfortable, but also something you know is good. Like, you know, feedback is good for your career and certainly you want your boss to give you feedback. And I think, I think ultimately what we're trying to say is like, you need, you know, do your best to find the coping mechanism that works for you so that you can continue to get feedback. You don't want people to feel like they can't give you feedback. And also, if you know that your boss likes giving you feedback, maybe just start initiating it on your own terms so that you can mentally prepare, okay, I'm going to ask for feedback. This is something that does make me uncomfortable, but I'm going to be in kind of like the driver's Mm. seat of asking for this so it works on my terms. So, I mean, those are definitely some places to start. I also feel like, especially when I was in school, I was telling Kayleen this when I was a little kid, like I remember feeling like anytime a teacher would give me negative feedback, it's almost like I would get emotional. And I do feel like that is something where you have to figure out how to cope with it and how to like control that as much you can. And, and I, and not because I think emotions at work are bad or anything like that. I think 
quite the opposite actually. But I do think that when you get super emotional, whatever your message is, it can get really lost to the other person. And that's why you are feeling like now they have these kid gloves to handle you with. And and no one wants to feel like that. And and ultimately that is probably going to potentially hurt you in your career. Yeah. I think also taking that moment to make sure your emotions don't get the best of you. I don't think anyone's ever been in a confrontation where they, you know, I'm sorry, everybody has been in a confrontation where you walk away and you go, oh, why did I say that? Or just, it is, it's really about taking the moment, running a line of questions in your head and and then composing your answer after that. Yeah, absolutely. And last piece of advice, um, and we have a podcast interview that's going to be coming up about how to handle emotions at work. So you'll definitely want to listen to that. But the the same people that are going to be on that podcast episode wrote a book called No Hard Feelings. And it's all about the power of emotions at work. I would highly recommend that you read that and check it out because they're really like true experts with this topic. So hopefully those are some good places to start. Definitely keep us updated and, and let us know because that's that's a tough one. But just the fact that you're having this moment where you recognize it, I think is is huge. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Females. If you want to leave us a voicemail, we would absolutely love that. You can call us at 844-FEMALES, which is spelled F-E-M-A-I-L-S. Or if you want cheat sheet, it's 844-336-2457. We'll be back next Tuesday with Mignon Fogarty, the grammar girl, to discuss how to avoid communication mistakes at work. But until then, you can follow us on our new podcast Instagram channel at The Females Podcast. Share this episode with your work wives. Leave us a review on iTunes and listen to this sneak peek of next week's episode. So I think setting those limits for yourself to create some, you know, mental space that you need, you're more productive when you can focus without checking email every second of the day and Slack and texting. So, you know, I know a lot of productivity experts recommend, you know, not checking things constantly. And I mean, I still check a lot, but, you know, (laughs) more, more than the productivity experts would recommend. But, but I think for most people, you can probably do it a little less than you think.